Yeah, good calves. <laughs> hey, thank you guys. Um, so this is like a, a kind of a bittersweet time. Um, Laura and Olive and I were really, really excited um, about the things that God has put on our heart, uh, the things that we feel like God is going to do in Cleveland. We're just, we're really, really excited. We're filled with anticipation. But there's also, if I'm just being completely honest, there is a, there is a sadness. Um, and a lot of that is because we love this church. We really do. Um, we've been at this church for seven years now, and we love it. And when I say we love the church, I, I don't mean we, we love the building, although we do. It's a beautiful building, and I love the staff. I love the worship here. I love the teachings, and I love all that stuff. But really, when I say I love the church and we love the church, it's because we love you guys. And uh, I really feel like the church is the people, and, and you guys have been there for us, uh, you guys have, have encouraged us. I know you've prayed for us. And um, so much uh, of the reason that we feel called to plant a church is because of, of what you guys have poured into us. And so we are so grateful for that. And we're going to really miss you guys. Um, and as we, you know, had been praying about planting this church, one of the things that we've just thought a lot about is, um, you know, our, our world and, and, you know, specifically our country, there is a lot of turmoil right now. There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of anxiety. Um, there is separation and division all over our country. And people are divided for, for so many reasons. People are divided politically and economically and racially and, and for all variety of reasons, there's this just this division and unrest happening in our country and there is this feeling of hopelessness that I am just running into over and over again where people just feel like, gosh, is it, all of this stuff happening, is there any hope? Is there any hope for all the school shootings that we see? Is there any hope with all of the, the, the issues we're having um, with, with refugees? Is there any hope with, with this issue, with that issue? And there's just this, this feeling of hopelessness. And, and I think um, money helps. You can throw money at problems and it can help. I think education can help. Um, I think uh, government programs can help. But really what, what I firmly believe and what I think the Bible teaches is that the hope of the world is the local church. That the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus said, these, this is my, these are my hands and these are my feet. And the hope of the world exists in, in the local church. God said, this is my plan to bring hope is the church. And so our plan to plant a church up in Cleveland is not because, you know, we want a new setting or we want a new job. We want to extend the hope of the world into a really broken place. When we go up to Cleveland, um, many of you guys are from there or you have friends or family there. There is a lot of cool stuff happening in Cleveland, but there is a, there is a feeling of hopelessness. There is this feeling of despair within so many of the people in, in Cleveland. And, and a large reason is if you go into cities, it's like a microcosm. It's like a Petri dish 
full of that division and unrest. And specifically the area that we're going to, it is a highly diverse area in every sense of the word. And there is just lots of hopelessness. And so that doesn't scare us. We don't look at that and feel discouraged by that. What we feel when we see that is an excitement to be an extension of the hope that Jesus provides. And so we are thrilled to plant a church in Cleveland to to be the hope of the world in this area that needs hope. And so in saying that, I think that maybe in some of you there's a stirring and there could be something where you feel like, I... I'm kind of interested in that. And, and, and for you, I want to say, come, come, like Michael said, after the service, there's these info meetings. And just for everybody, I would love if everybody came to this info meeting. Um, and it's not just for people who are interested in going. If you are like, hey, I'd like to hear more about what you're doing, um, I'd love for you to come out. Because we're going to need a lot, of, a lot of people praying for us and a lot of people who are on board with what we're doing. So yeah, come on out right after the service. It's going to be short. We're going to give a little bit more of the nuts and bolts and then a little bit more of the, the vision of, and, and values of what we want our church to look like. So with that being said, um, we're t- talking about our purpose this, this week, which kind of fits in well because I feel like so much of what I've been learning is, is what God has built me for and what he's, what he's, what he's wired me for. But I remember um, I was in my mid-20s and I, I was uh, working at Starbucks. I had dropped out of school two or three times. Um, I was like not dating anyone. Um, and I was basically just going to work and waiting for uh, the weekend so I could have fun and hang out with my friends. Um, and I remember one moment, like, sitting in my room, and it was like I had slept in until, like, noon or something, and just thinking, like, is this, is this what life is all about? Like, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing with my life? Is there more to life than this? Is there more to life than this? And, and if I'm honest with you guys, that feeling and that question, is there more to life than this, didn't stop in my mid-20s. It, like, probably happened this morning. It is a regular question that I feel in my life. Like, is this, is this, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this it in life? And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can, can feel like, I, I just don't think I'm living the way I'm supposed to be living. Or maybe when I was younger, I thought my life was going to turn out like this, and it really hasn't. And maybe, maybe you're in a completely different stage in, of your life. Um, maybe you have little kids, and you're like changing your hundredth diaper of the day, and you're like, gosh, there's got to be more to life than this. Or, or maybe you've got a great job, and you've climbed the corporate ladder, and you, you have you know, a great retirement plan and all those things, and, and you just think like, this is it? Like, I thought this would fulfill something in me that it hasn't, and, and I, I don't feel 
like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And let me just tell you, if you relate to that at all, you are in good company because that is something I think is a, that, that is a universal feeling. It is a really common feeling. I, I'm regularly talking to people. There's regularly people coming into my office and we're talking about, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing or that question of, is this, is this all there is to life? Am I on the right career path? Um, is this the right person that I'm supposed to marry? You know, am, am I doing ministry-wise what God has wired me to do? All those kind of questions. And, and today we're going to be talking about that question, that feeling, and what to do with it. Because here's what I believe. I believe that that question is, is deep inside every human being. That what am I doing with my life question. And actually... I believe that that question is a God-given question. I think God wired us to ask that question, and I think the enemy can get a hold of that question and distort it a little bit, but I think that question at its core of, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing, is fundamentally a question that God has given us to ask. So um, before we jump in, let me just pray. And by the way, I'm going to be jumping around the Bible a little bit, So, but if you want a Bible, we have them on the the sound booth and on the sides of the stage, but I'll have the verses up on the screens as well. Um, and also, go back and listen to the other, the other messages if you haven't heard them, because um, they all kind of play off of each other. But let me just pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. I just ask that you would speak to us. I ask that you would even, even now begin planting dreams inside of us, planting your vision inside of us, that we would see life from your perspective. And Lord, I, I pray that, that that purpose question of why am I here, um, for some of us today, you would begin answering that question. But we give you free reign. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right. So, like I said, that question of why am I here, what am I supposed to be doing, I think it is not only normal, but it's really good that we ask that, and here's why. I believe, I believe that every single human being was created on purpose for a purpose. Every single person that exists was created on purpose for a purpose. Let me say it this way. You were created on purpose for a purpose. God knew what he was doing when he made you. He made you for a reason, and he liked the reason that he made you, and he likes how he made you. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And the Bible tells us that, that we all have individual unique things that we were wired to do. Um, just one place, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made of one part, but of many. 
The Apostle Paul who wrote that was trying to say a lot of things. One of the things he was trying to say is that we all have unique functions. Just like a body, the different parts have unique functions. Fingers do something different than eyes, and eyes do something different than knees, and knees do something different than shoulders. And, and, and same goes with us as the church, that we all have different Unique purposes, but those, those unique purposes are to come together to form one body, to, to form one function. And, and, and this is really important for us to understand that, that God uniquely made you, and he created you on purpose for a purpose. All of your gifts, all of your talents, your passions, all of your weird idiosyncrasies, all of those, those odd things that make you, you, were God-given. God make you, made you for a specific purpose. And, and, and here's what I find interesting. This is really fascinating to me, that, that modern psychology will tell us that inside every human being, there, there are these few core longings. Like every human being on planet Earth has these few um, universal things that, that everybody desires. Things like we want to know our identity and we want to feel safe and all, all, all of these kind of uh, core longings. And one of the core longings that modern psychology says that everybody has is the, the desire for purpose. That inside of every human being, we want to know why am I here? Why do I exist? Why am I here? That that's in all of us. And I think modern psychology is just trying to catch up with what the Bible has been teaching us all along. Because the Bible tells us that we, 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 we're designed for a purpose. We were designed for a purpose. Michael read the verse earlier today, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, we are, are, are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This, this word handiwork, it literally means masterpiece. It says we are God's masterpiece. It's like, it's like you're, you're hanging on the fridge. God loves the way he made you. He loves the way he wired you. And he wired you with, and with, with good works that he prepared in advance. He has good plans for you. He has like all of these thoughts and plans that he's like, oh, I can't wait to see Susan do the things that I made her to do. There are good things that he has he is, he is prepared in advance. And so when we ask that question, God, uh, or when we say, what, 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 am, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? Or, or there must be more. Really what we're asking is, whether we know it or not, is God, why did you make me? Why did you make me? What are those good works that you have prepared in advance for me? So that's a really good question to ask. And, and whenever anyone asks me a question like that, what I, what I try to do is I encourage people to think about it on two different levels. When we think about our purpose, uh, the thing that God is calling us to do, to think about it on these two different planes. And, and, and one of them is a very general plan for our lives. God has a general plan um, and then a very specific plan. And here's what I mean by that. The general plan for your life and the life for all of us is to join in with God and his rescue mission, like Michael said. 
He's on mission to rescue the world and he's inviting all of us to be a part of it. And in that, there are, there are these general things that are true for all of us. Like we are all called and, and we have all have the purpose to love our neighbors and to be kind to others and to, to feed the hungry and to pray for the sick and to care for the marginalized and, and to come together and worship him. And, and, and those things are the same across the board for all of us. We are all called to be a part of that. But... While there's a general purpose, there's also a very specific purpose for you as well. There is something that only you were created for. There's something that, that I wasn't made for that you were. There's something uh, that you are really good at that I'm not good at. There are passions that you have that I don't have and, and vice versa. I know like, like Michael was saying earlier, we're beginning to realize a little bit about like, oh man, I think God has, has wired me to be a church planter and, and to go up to Cleveland and, and to pastor a church. And, and like I said earlier, I think maybe some of you might be supposed to come with me, but there are, there are things that God has wired you to do that I am not supposed to do. We're all called to be a part of the body and be different parts of the body. And this is really important for us to understand for a couple reasons. One, because it helps us thrive when we are tuned into the thing that we were created to do. We thrive in life when we are living according to the purposes in which we are created. It's true. God says he has an abundant life for us. And I think one of the ways we find that abundant life is when we are on track with, what, with, with how God made us. And I know this is true for my life. So many times when I'm feeling lots of anxiety, it's because I am trying to live outside of the plans of my life that God has, 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 has put uh, for me to do. And I'm doing good things and cool things and interesting things, but they're just not what God has made me to do. And I feel anxiety. I feel tension. But when I am like in tune with how God made me, it doesn't mean bad things aren't going on around me and it doesn't mean everything's just smooth sailing, but there is a, um, a level of just contentment and peace that I have. And I can thrive when I'm living according to his purposes. And this is true for all of us. I know, like, I don't know, when I talk to Pug, when Pug is telling me about uh, working with folks with addictions and stuff, he, I can see it in his eyes that that's what he was made to do. And he thrives when he talks about it. Or like when I talk to the Turners or you talk to the Turners about working with, with refugees. And I think that's a bit of, of, of who God made them to be. And, and when we, 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 we start to like move in those things, we begin to feel like, oh, this feels good. I'm starting to feel like, like this is who God made me to be. Um, and and it's, it's true, like there, there's guys who, who go to the, to the, the prisons uh, on a regular basis with some other, other churches and they'll play worship music and do all these things. And when, when you talk to them about it, it's like 
They are so full of excitement. And they're like, this is what I was made for. And, and maybe that's not what I was made for. Maybe that's not what you were made for. But that's what they were made for. Let me, let me, let me tell you this story. When I was, uh, I think I was like around six years old, my dad started going down to Brazil and working with local churches in Brazil. My dad's been going down for 30 plus years and he made a deal with me and my brother and my sister that when we turned 16, he would take each of us to go down. And I remember when my brother turned 16, he went down there and something happened to him. He like, when he got down there, he was like, he didn't want to leave. I remember him when he came back saying, when, when I was there, I just was asking, can we stay longer? And he quickly tried to make a plan of how he could, he could go back down again and, and, and how he could stay a longer period of time. And he started feeling, I think I'm called to be a missionary in Brazil. And, and many of you got a chance to, to meet my brother and know my brother. He is a missionary in Brazil now. He's a missionary down in Brazil. And now when my dad took me down to Brazil... When I was 16, I loved it. I had a great time. But I remember one of the questions I asked is, when do we get to go home? <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. I love going down to Brazil. I, I love it. I go down every year. But I am always ready to come back and sleep in my bed. Because I am not wired to be a missionary in Brazil. But my brother is. And so there are unique things that God has, has, has designed you for. And, 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 and listen, I, just, and I get so excited watching, watching it happen in people, watching people find out the things that they were created to do. So, so one, we thrive when we find those purposes, those good works that God has made us to do. Second thing why it's important to understand that we are all uniquely made um, is because it helps us understand that other people are unique as well, not just us. It helps us understand that we're not just a special snowflake, but everybody is a special snowflake. All people are unique and wonderfully made. All people have value in the eyes of God. That God, when he makes every single human being, no matter where they come from, no matter their socioeconomic background, no matter what, God, when he made them, he says, oh, this one's really special. I really like this one. And so we fundamentally believe that, that every single human being has value, and we don't get to decide who has more value. And we get to celebrate diversity, celebrate the different things that make you, you, and them, them, and us, us. And we don't get to decide who has value. That's why this church is unapologetically pro-life. Because we, we think the unborn, we believe that they were created on purpose for a purpose. And we love every life. And so we believe that, that, that they, are, they, they have value. But that's, that's also why we are highly invested and we really care about immigrants and refugees. 
Because we believe refugees were created on purpose for a purpose as well. And we don't believe just because they were born in another country means they have less value than we do. All, all lives are really important in God's eyes, and we are, to, we are to value them. And so that means that Republicans and Democrats both have value. That means that poor people and rich people both have value, and people who are clean and sober and people who are addicted both have value. And people who are white, people who are black, people who are relatively holy and people who are really sinful, people, all people have value. And we are called to love them and not create a hierarchy of who has more value. This is super, super important. This is why Paul and what we read earlier said, you know, whether we are Jew or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Uh, we'll be talking about this more next week, but the, the differences, the, the ways that we were made, it's really good. It's really good that we're different. But every single person here, every single person in the world, some of us need to hear this right now, that there are people that we look at as having less value. And I think some people, you need to hear that God values that person. God values those people. They were created on purpose for a purpose. And some of you need to hear this, that, that you, you were created on purpose for a purpose. That you have value in God's eyes. That he loves the way he made you. You have value. You matter to Jesus. But, but here's the thing. Here's what happened. When God made humanity, he created us to, to like we're, we're talking about over these next few weeks, that we are created to have these connections. We're created to be connected to him, to be connected to the community, to be connected to the church, and, and to be ultimately connected, too, to ourselves and the purposes in which God made us. And he, he made us for a specific purpose. When, when he created humanity, he, he said, you know, be fruitful and multiply, go to the ends of the earth and, and, and subdue it and um, uh, you have dominion over the earth. And essentially what God was saying is, the reason I made you is to have relationship with me and to rule over the earth. Here are the keys to the kingdom. You get to, you get to have dominion. You get to, you get to you know, care for the earth and, 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 and have authority over it. And when we read the story, we turn the next page and we know what happened. That humanity uh, decided we want to do our own thing. We chose the fruit from the tree over the, the relationship, over the, the calling in our life. And, and, and we rebelled against God and we said, we want to do our thing and not, not your thing. And in that moment, essentially what we did is we took those keys to the kingdom that God gave us and we handed them over to Satan. And we said, you're in charge now. And there became a disconnect in all of those connections. We felt disconnected from our relationship with him. We felt disconnected from our relationship with each other. We felt naked and, 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 and we had to disconnect. And, 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 and we also felt disconnected from our purpose in which we were created. 
This, this, this idea of why am I here? What am I created to do? It became unclear. It became unclear and we were disconnected from the purpose in which we were created. And so let me just say one of our main goals as a church and one of my favorite things to do is help people reconnect with that. When I'm able to look at someone and say, hey, I think God made you to do this. It like, there's, there's almost nothing I enjoy more than doing that. And I'm gonna encourage you that this is a part of the calling that God has on your life is helping others reconnect with that purpose. And that's one of our goals as a church is, to, is when you see someone thriving in something, maybe say, you're really good at that. I, th- I think God might be calling you to do that and making space for other people to do the things that you're doing cause, cause, so they can start connecting with, with their calling, with their general purpose and their, their, their specific one. It's, it's, it's one of the key things that we're called to do. And, and, and so if that's kind of the theological reason why we've been disconnected from our, our, our purpose, I want to take a moment and talk about a few things that are just real practical, common things that I think can, can disconnect us from our purpose. What are some things that I see regularly in people's lives that disconnect them, help them or hurt them and, and make them not see what they were made to do? And, and I want to just talk about three really common things that I see in, 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 in no particular order. The first thing that I see that disconnects people from their their, their, their purpose is that we are really busy. We are so busy. We, we have no margin in our lives. And we, maybe for you, you're going to work and you're getting the kids to soccer. You're making sure there's food on the table. You're going to this group, going to this meeting, making sure you get to church on Sunday. And if you have free time, it's full of Netflix and watching sports or listening to podcasts or, or, or you know, this hobby that you're doing or playing a silly game on your phone and you have no margin in your life to, to, to connect with the purpose in which you were created. And let me just say, say, none of those things I mentioned are bad things. None of them are bad things. They're just things. They're not good or bad. They're just things. And, and, and they're not bad to do, but when they become the focus of our life and when we have no margin to hear from the Lord or much less do the things the Lord is telling us to do, no wonder we're asking, what am I made to do? Because it wasn't that. We're not made to, to be a slave to our calendars. We're not made to be a slave to our phones. We're not made to, 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 to just have constantly be going and, and be bogged down by all of the things. The problem is not the things, it's that we are focused on the things and not focused on God and, and his things. I, I love this Colossians chapter three. Um, the message translation puts it this way. It says, don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up. 
and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. How often do you feel like you are shuffling around in life? You're just focusing on the things right in front of you. I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And uh, I'm just going to, you know, when I have some free time, I'm going to play Angry Birds or whatever it is. I can relate to that. I sure can relate. Can I tell you one of the most convicting messages that I've ever heard? One of the most convicting things that I've ever heard is when Netflix asks me, are you still watching? (laughs) I'm like, don't judge me, Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still watching. (laughs) I remember a couple years ago, I was relaxing, trying to relax. And here's what I was doing. I was uh, watching a basketball game, and I had the sound muted, and I was listening to a podcast on my phone, and I was scrolling through Twitter. And I was like, for a moment, I think it was actually the Holy Spirit, was like, how much information and stuff do you need right now? It was like I was being bombarded with stuff and sound. And I just realized that is most of my life. I'm just busy. And and when I say busy, I don't just mean like doing, you know, activities. I just mean I'm constantly having, um, you know, content and and things that I'm doing and, and listening to and watching. And it was in that moment, God said, if you continue this, if this is your idea of rest, you are going to burn out. And you are going to blow up, hurt yourself, hurt your family, and hurt the people around you. And I said, hey, thanks, God. I did, though. It was like, that was like actually really encouraging for me to be like, I need to work on this. And it was when I started to work on that that a lot of these things, that the church planning stuff, began to come to the surface. And I don't think it's because God was like, now you're ready to plant a church. I think it was probably him saying, I've been saying this for years, and you've been too busy to listen. And I just wonder how many of us are too busy to listen. And, and the reason that we feel an unrest is because We're so busy. And so when we think um, while we're, you know, scrolling through Instagram and listening to music and watching a movie, if we think, is there more to life than this? The answer is, yeah, there is. That's not what you were created for. And again, let me just say, none of those things are bad. I, I still... I'll binge watch a show on Netflix or I'll listen to a pod. I do all those things, but they just can't, they can't be the focus of our lives. So that's one, we're, we're so busy too, is we are insecure. We're really insecure. Maybe, maybe you feel like, yeah, maybe God's got a plan for, for him, but I don't think he's got a plan for me. This past week, I was at a, uh, a conference for church planters. 
And I remember the first day I was there, I just got really insecure. And this feeling came over me of like, oh, that guy is, re- is going to be really good at church planning, and you're not. And maybe you shouldn't be here. And it took someone praying for me and for, for the voice of the Lord to say, no, this is what I've called you to do. Don't be so insecure. And so many of us feel that way. Like, I don't know if he's got a plan for me. Or, or maybe you feel like, I think he did have a plan for me, but I think I blew it. I think I made some really bad choices along the way and I don't think he's got a plan for me anymore. And let me just say that that's the enemy. You can't ruin God's plan. I love Job. I love the whole book of Job. In in, in chapter 42, Job says to God, he says, I know you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's the truth. God's purposes cannot be thwarted. And that means you can't ruin God's plans. You're giving yourself too much credit. You can't do it. God has good plans for your life. And so, so many times we feel disconnected because we have disqualified ourselves. We say, I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not holy enough. I don't go to church enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. I've blown it too many times. But let me just say this. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter how smart you are or how smart you ain't, no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter any of that stuff, God has a good plan for your life. He made you on purpose for a purpose. He has good things for you. And we have to believe that even when we don't believe it. Oh, man, I could go on and just tell you story after story where I've discounted myself and said, I'm not this enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not this enough. And it's the voice of the Lord that says, those things don't matter. It's not you, it's not your strength, it's my strength. I've called you to do this. And you look at me, and and, and when you start feeling those things, you have to realize you're in good company because almost everybody in the Bible says something like that to God. Like, I... Gosh, God, I stutter, or like, gosh, God, I'm I'm not as as strong as that one. And God always says, like, trust me, be brave, be courageous. I got you. But sometimes we disconnect ourselves because of our insecurities. And sometimes it's in our insecurities that God wants to even use us, which this is really cool. I don't have time to really expand on this too much, but over and over again, I see people who will, be, will say something like, you know what, like, I have been a drug addict, and so God wouldn't use me. And then I see God use them with other drug addicts. Or someone says, you know what, I struggle with chronic depression, God can never use me. And then I see God use that person to work with people who have chronic depression. It's just, it's beautiful the way that God works. And it doesn't always look that way. Sometimes your, your calling doesn't have to do with your insecurities, but oftentimes it does. 
We disconnect ourselves because we're busy. We disconnect ourselves because we're insecure. Third, and what I see all the time and what I see most in my life is that we want our plan and not his. We disconnect ourselves because we want our plan and not his. And so let me just say this really bluntly. Let me ask you a question. Do you want God's plan for your life or do you want your plan for your life? And for me, it depends on the day. I want to say I want God's plan, and a lot of times I do. But a lot of times I want my plan. Proverbs 19 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It says we have lots of purposes. We have lots of plans that we put on our, and we have in our hearts that we're like, I want to do this, I want to do that, and this is what I want to accomplish, and this is, these are the things I want to do. So do we want his plan or do we want ours? And I think one of the things is we don't trust God. We don't think his plans are as good as our plans. We think sometimes that God wants to withhold the really good stuff. Like, oh yeah, he doesn't want us to go do those fun things in life. So he puts these rules, right? Like he wants us to stay away from the the fun in life. And I I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. The plans we have on our li- for our lives, we think this is what's going to make me really happy. This is what's going to fill me up. This is what's going to make me content. It's not that God's like, oh, that's too good for you. Let's do this one instead. He's like, God, you're settling. You're settling. I have way better plans for you. I, have, I want you to thrive. I want you to have an abundant life. And so we ask, do we want our plan? Or-? Let me tell you, My plan for my life, what I really, really want, I really want to play point guard for the Cavs. I do. Well, no, I want LeBron to come back and then I'll play point guard for the Cavs. But that's not God's plan for my life. Don't laugh that much, guys. It could happen. And this is important for us to to kind of wrestle with us. Do we want our plan or God's plan? And it's not only important for us, but it's important. What are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching the next generation? You know what I won't say to my daughter, Olive? I will not tell her that she can be whatever she wants and that she can do whatever she puts her mind to. I won't tell her that because it's not true. Olive has limitations, just like all of us. And to say things like, you can do whatever you want, gives her a false sense of reality. It's not true. I also won't tell Olive to find that thing that's going to make you happy. Because happiness is not the goal. And happiness is fleeting. Happiness is subjective. So many times the thing that makes us happy only makes us happy for a short period of time. Or we think it's going to make us happy and it doesn't make us happy. Or it makes us happy, but it's really bad for us. 
How many of us have experienced something like that? This makes me feel really good, but it's really bad for me. Happiness is not the goal. So what I say to Olive, and what I'm saying to you, is that God made you for a reason, and I'm really excited to see what that is. And I'm really excited about maybe having a part in helping you find what that is. It's not that you can do whatever you want, but that you can do what God wants for your life, and that's even better. The other day I was asking Olive uh, what she wants to do, and she was saying, I want to be an astronaut. And she put her head down and said, I think God wants me to be a pastor. (laughs) And I was like, you don't have to be a pastor, sweetie. But (laughs) I just... But there's a flip side to this too. Sometimes I think in the like Western evangelical church, we have had this thing where it's like our desires are bad. Passion is bad and emotions are bad and your heart is bad. And so stuff that down and just do, just suffer for the sake of Christ. And that's not, that's not what I'm saying either. Sometimes the passions in our heart are God-given. And so we listen to them. We listen to those desires. We don't, we don't let them rule our lives. They're, they're not always the best barometer, but we listen to them. And we say, God, is this passion from you? Is this from you? No, you don't want me to play point guard? Okay. Is this one from you? It is? So we ask, ultimately, do we want to build our kingdom or God's? Whose plan do you want? And so I just want to end by, by, if that's how we disconnect, how do we reconnect with our purpose? How do we reconnect with our purpose? How do we find our purpose? How do we find God's plan for our life? And it's actually really simple. I often talk to people who are filled with anxiety when, when it comes to finding God's plan for their life. They think, I, I think I missed it, or am I, am I on the right path, or is this what God wants me to do? Or, and it's just full of anxiety when you think of, what am I supposed to be doing? And what I always say to them, and what I will say to you now, is if you want to know God's plan for your life, if you want to know God's plan for your life, stop seeking the plan and start seeking his face. It's in connection with him that we find out what we are made to do. If you want to know what you were made for, you got to go to the maker. You got to go to the one who made you. Because our purpose doesn't exist outside of Jesus. It just doesn't. So it comes back to that first connect, connection with God and our purpose flows out of connection with God. And that's the secret. We have a good God who wants us to find our purpose. And when we connect with him, he leads us. The Bible tells us he leads us. And so we stay close to him. And we learn to hear his voice. And and we learn to stay close to his voice. And we don't wander away. I remember uh, before I came to this church, Michael had offered me a job at this church, and there was a couple other churches that had offered me jobs as well. And I remember weighing them out and thinking, I don't know which one I want to do. And, and, but ultimately, I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want, God. What do you want me to do? And I felt like the Lord said, no, well, what do you, well, you want to do? 
I was like, well, that, that's not how this works. So I just want to do what you want, God. And he gave me this picture. And at the time, we were, we were pregnant with Olive, or my wife was pregnant with Olive. And, and I got this picture of taking Olive to the park and taking her and letting her run around. And, and being a good father, I stayed close to her. And when she was wandering too close to maybe some people that I thought, oh, those probably, you shouldn't be hanging around those people. I'd say, baby, come on over here. And when she, there was glass on the ground that I didn't want her to, to, to you know, fall in, I'd say, hey, don't play over there. There's glass on the ground. And when it was lunchtime, I'd say, hey, sweetheart, I got lunch for you. Come, come with me. But for the most part, I let her play. And she listened to my voice because she trusted me. And, and God said, that's my plan for your life. My plan is for you to play and for you to stay close enough to me that you can hear my voice. And so I want to say to you guys, God's plan for your life isn't this pencil-thin line that is hard to find and we're, we can miss it. And His plan for our life is like a big jungle gym that we get to play on. That he says, stay over, stay, don't go over there. Stay over here. I say, Okay. And then when we wander off, he, we, we, he says, come on back. And we say, oh, okay. So why don't we stand? Emma's going to lead us in, in one last song. But before she gets up here and, and does that, let's just take a moment and be quiet. And allow the Lord to speak to us. And we, we want to hear your voice, God.